we're celebrating all things curls, kinks and coils with our Black Caster and Shea range. Command those curls with our new Black Caster and Shea Curls smoothie and leave-in conditioner. Or try our Pure Beauty award-winning conditioner, which won the Gold Award. The range has not only been specially developed for all curls, kinks, coils or exceptionally dry hair, it's also cruelty-free and vegan-friendly. Find the range in-store now and online. That's not all. We've got more online and in selected stores. Discover the full kink, coil and curl hair care range today, including Cantu, Palmer's and more. Welcome to another episode of The Beauty of It All. Think of us as the beauty-obsessed big sister you've always wanted. Hosted by me, Vic Hope, with Superdrug, The Beauty of It All takes a backstage look at the beauty industry, the issues facing it, and all the new news that you've been craving. Plus, a whole host of celebrity guests and industry experts. Join us as we discuss issues such as how veganism is transforming the beauty world, the latest trends in skincare, and the influence of drag culture and makeup on the high street. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing what's being done about diversity in the beauty industry, whether it's enough and what the future of beauty looks like. And I have a stat here, uh, a study that we did revealed that 70% of black and Asian women feel that the high street does not cater for their beauty needs. While if we look at the catwalks, only 34% of models in spring 2018 advertising campaigns in the UK featured people of colour. So I'd like to welcome my three fantastic guests for today's podcast. Joining me are beauty influencer Sharmi Jane, former model Kareen Hurley, who founded the London-based Choco Media Models, which is an agency, platform and blog for dark and brown skin models, and Anita Bagwandas, a beauty director with over a decade of experience. She's worked at magazines like Stylist, Marie Claire and Women's Health, and is currently beauty and lifestyle director at large at Glamour. Hello. Hello. Hi. I think it's really... <laughs> important before we jump into this subject uh, because we're all talking about diversity which to be honest is huge it's a huge issue (laughs) and it involves a lot more than just race skin color and hair texture right so we were talking Mm, a bit earlier before we came in here this could include uh, body shaming and representation of different body shapes um, heights in the industry uh, ableism but we're not going to cover those today because we could be here forever as much as I'd love to and maybe that's something for another podcast but right now because we're focusing on beauty we're focusing on makeup and hair we're going to talk about skin tone and hair texture Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm going to come to you first Charmy because you make the most wonderfully creative tutorials for your followers and create brilliant makeup looks and your family are from the Philippines uh, but you grew up in the UK so what was your relationship with makeup like growing up were there brands out there that spoke to you um, well, growing up in the Philippines, obviously I was so young and I wasn't really into makeup at first. I was actually quite a tomboy growing up. Right. But then moving into the UK, it's a whole different ball game. It's, I was basically, op- it opened my eyes to this whole world of beauty and it was, um, it was very much so my high school friends that influenced me to wear makeup. But the difference is that when I was in high school, I didn't really look into drugstore brands, so I actually used to get makeup from the market, which is crazy. So obviously from the market, shade ranges are limited when I was there. Um, And because I didn't really know where to start back then. So which ones spoke to you? Which ones did you feel Um, uh, were representative of what you needed? 
Okay. Um, I would probably say, I don't know, like the, um, but more so the, like the eye makeups, mm-hmm. the lipsticks, but it was very hard to find fa- um, foundation shades because I feel like I didn't really know where to start with foundation shades at that age. Yeah. And I just didn't know where to start. Like, what's my right skin tone? What's this? What's that? What I found helpful was YouTube, as we probably all did. What point in your life did you start to see on YouTube um, the advice or the direction that you needed to, to understand makeup for you? What what sort of year was that starting to happen? I would probably say around 2009. So about 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like that, yeah. doesn't it? It feels like about yeah. a decade ago that, yeah. that YouTube started really coming through for us. Yeah. And Definitely. I say us because <laughs> I tell you, I have struggled growing up. Like, <laughs> yeah. there was just no shades, so were there? Too ashy yeah. or too dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like you'd have dark enough shades for your skin. I'm mixed race. I'm half Nigerian. You have they were almost like the right colour, but it was like the quality was not thought of at all. So it'd be really ashy yeah, or yes. too ashy or too dark or too red for me. And I've got right. yellow. Um, I've got yellow undertone, so I usually yeah. find that they were too red and they oxidised quite a bit, right. so they wouldn't really settle nicely into my skin. And I don't know. I feel like I'm the middle person, you know. So I found it so hard to find the perfect yellow undertone. Yeah foundation she didn't feel catered for at all no was it a similar situation yeah because I felt like it was either the foundation was too dark or too light and I, ha- I have yellow under- undertone as well mm. yeah. so when I was trying on the makeup it wasn't it wasn't perfect but I just started with it it's the nuances of the skin tones it's yeah. almost like they I remember going into a lot of shops and it would either be light medium dark yes um, and I didn't fit any of those and we, even though we all have yeah. what would possibly be considered medium skin tones our skin as you can see just yeah. using anyone with eyes can see it's completely different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Anita, what was your relationship with Beauty Light when you were growing up? It was quite tempestuous, I have to say. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and there was nothing for women of colour. I grew up in South Wales as well, and there was even less in South Wales, so there weren't any products I could use. There wasn't anyone of colour in magazines or on TV, so mm-hmm. actually I didn't really have any role models or any of that growing up in terms of beauty. Yeah, so, I mean, you've mentioned there what's available to you to physically buy but talking about role models and talking about where you get your inspiration from and where you get your ideas from and and also you get your confidence from because you're seeing yourself you know in magazines or or on screens and, and that, that kind of validates something for you where did you get that from if it, if it wasn't you know in the models that you saw I didn't really get it from anywhere which I think was actually a big problem because mm-hmm. for a really long time I just assumed that I wasn't beautiful or that I didn't fit in and I was somehow wrong because I wasn't represented yeah. anywhere. And it was a, it's been a really big part of my life, actually, and it probably has been one of the reasons that I've actually gone into the beauty industry. Right. I was going to say, why did why did you enter into what is a very, very impenetrable, difficult industry, especially when it wasn't one that you were surrounded with growing up? I'd always been so obsessed with beauty products from a very young age. I'd yeah. even sort of mix them myself if I could. And I, I just because there was nothing, I had to really search high on those, find anything that worked for my skin tone. So that was one of the reasons I sort of was obsessed with beauty. And then as I got older, I just realised that it was the thing I was most passionate about and I could really see the psychological link between how you felt and how you looked. And I found that very interesting. What was the psychological effect for you between how you looked and how you felt? I think for me, growing up, I just felt like I fit in a little bit more if I had some makeup and I felt prettier. I never, mm. I don't think I ever really felt pretty when I was younger. So not being able to get makeup that matched your skin tone, 
What did that mean for you, for your self-confidence? I think what it really meant for me with my self-confidence was that when I was 15, when I was going into town to buy beauty products, there was nothing for me. Mm -hmm. There was really, like, nothing at all. I couldn't get any foundation. There was one powder that sort of half worked, but it sort of made me look a bit ghostly. Yeah, you feel a bit gross when you know it doesn't match you, doesn't doesn't it? You don't feel cute. You Mm -hmm. don't feel like all your friends do. Exactly. And that was a big thing. And it had a really big impact. Yeah, I, felt, I remember feeling super ashy because like all the products were either quite drying because they they weren't good ones that would come in the in the tones that I needed, or I was I was like putting loads on trying to desperately get it up to my skin tone. It just never got there, and it, it looked like a mask. And it's not a cool look. You're right, you didn't feel cute at all. Corinne, tell me about what led you to start up Choco Media Models. It was colorism, racism and tokenism in the entertainment industry and the fashion industry. And you'd experienced this yourself? Yeah. In what sort of way? What had you gone through? Them giving me a really dark foundation color on my, on my skin and being uncomfortable with that and the fact that I had to do my own hair and stuff. So that was within the mainstream industry mm-hmm. and the fashion industry and being short as well. Okay, so what had you been working on? Were you modeling for brands? Were you in videos? Or? The mainstream fashion industry was like for fashion and hair. Mm-hmm. and beauty and within the um, entertainment industry it was like with music videos commercials and acting okay and so how did you go about putting together an agency so this is a modeling agency yeah yeah so the platforms i used i put advertisement saying looking for dark skin models for um, a new agency and a lot of people applied like i think i got like 100 applications really it was so needed and then when i saw so much application i thought oh okay everyone's feeling like this so you'd seen in a lot of castings that, that and a lot of modelling agencies that they would only have one dark skin model yeah, that's on the it. books. That's it. They're like they only taken on one or two dark skin models, and that'll be it. And that causes really that causes division and stuff and competition. And you wanted to change that. Yeah. So your modelling agency, uh, you've got what forty models? Yeah, forty, yeah. On your books at the moment? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And so what is your job on a day-to-day? What do you do with them? How are you pushing them? I'll get a lot of castings from hair brands, mm-hmm. artists, fashion brands, and they'll just say, oh, we're looking for this kind of model. And I'll just send out castings to the girls and stuff. And I'll just phone them or like message them online and say, oh, this is a, a fan of new casting you can apply for. And there was a good brand called Tweezers. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for like, there's like a hairbrush for like Afro hair. Yeah. And that was really good. And lots of models are really happy about that. And they're applying for it. And what made you want to give more dark-skinned girls an opportunity to to get those modelling jobs? Why why is it so important? Because I used to be the one trying to go to that modelling agencies and yeah. they, they would only have like two or three dark-skinned models and that'll be it. And even if I heard about some dark-skinned models, they do go to these urban agencies and dark, the, the client would be like, oh, no dark-skinned, please. Or right. like, no dark-skinned models, oh please. And that'd be... They'll feel like a waste of contract. They sign a contract. No, they also, it's just wrong to yeah. say something like that. It's, 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 it's racist. Yeah, it's horrible, yeah. So that's why I want to create agency to say, you know what, let's just create agency for ourselves. It'll be less time wasting and you'll feel more for unity and girl power and more reassurance that you will get, you will get more jobs. And opportunity, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this translates you know we're taking it off the catwalk yeah. uh, and Shami you do you do YouTube you're on Instagram and it translates for real women too mm-hmm. as well do you think that more could be done in the industry with education for the staff on say makeup counters uh, and for trainee hairdressers because sometimes you go into a shop and you feel a bit intimidated like yeah. if they can't help you then maybe you shouldn't be there if they don't really know what to be suggesting for you, recommending you. It's a bit embarrassing for everyone involved. 
Yeah, well, I agree. I think they they can definitely do something more to push the training and to like, especially when it comes to counters. And if you want to get, if you're a normal girl, you want to go to a counter, for example, at a mall and you want to get your makeup done. Um, they need to understand that everyone has different eye shapes and every Asian person doesn't have just one eye shape. You know, some Asian people have bigger eyes, yeah. smaller eyes, and um, some people are more almond, less almond. And I found in my personal experience that when I was once in a mall and I tried to get my makeup done, in um, especially if I'm not in Asia and I'm more in the Western mm-hmm. world, they have this one way of doing it. But some eye makeup suits, let's for example, if an eye makeup suits, I don't know, bigger eyes, it won't suit me because I have a different shaped eyes. Yeah. So I find that it's definitely important to definitely push, for example, like people who face customers every single day and who does normal people's makeup they need to be more I don't know like more aware that everyone has different eyes and everyone has different skin tone and face shapes and not one way of doing it will fit everyone else so I think we really need to emphasize that especially when it comes to Maybe like makeup brands training their makeup artists, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah, train to be able to do makeup on everyone. Everyone, because we're not just one face and we're not just one shape. Yeah, well, that's so. what diversity is. It's, yeah. it's celebrating difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes it becomes synonymous with box ticking. And, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you fulfil the quota of people who are black Asian yeah. etc yeah. but actually it's about life in glorious technicolor and all the nuances and all the differences that we have and how wonderful they are um as well as technicolor I want to talk about hair because I feel personally like there has been a bit of a natural hair movement um see it actually even on the red carpet and in Hollywood as well which is hugely influential in our beauty um habits have you noticed this as well in the industry i have yes we've definitely seen more models with natural hair coming through in casting agencies which is really brilliant and there's been a lot more products as well which has been really good so products aimed at natural hair and lots of new lots of new brands as well so what's changed over the course of your career did did you have a lot more models coming through with relaxed styles or weaves or wigs before and why do you think that's changed I think there was definitely a lot of relaxed hair. Yeah. And I think that's changed just because there's been more vis- visibility, there's been more black actresses or there have been more prominent black people and influencers and it's really good because you get to see all these amazing things and you get to see what you could do mm-hmm. and that you don't have to fit into a certain category. Yeah, you do. You get ideas for hairstyles. Yeah. It's as simple as that because yeah. I think a lot of a lot of um, my peers and girls that I knew growing up who had Afro hair, they just didn't know what to do with it. Me and my mum used to have to go down to Leeds to get our hair done because there was no one in Newcastle who did Afro hair. And if, oh. there, if there was, there was one, but it was so expensive because he knew he had a premium on yeah. it. And it was just, just a really long day just to get your hair done. I still go down to London to get do my you? hair done. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Because where, where, where are you from? Um, I'm from, so I'm from a small town called Warrington. It's near okay. Manchester. Yeah. Um, and why, the reason I go to London is because they specialise, there's a salon here that specialises in doing Asian hair, right. especially oh. when dyeing it. So my main concern is, because um, obviously Asian hair, it can either be jet black or a certain super dark brown. And it's very hard to lift that to go to a, like a light brown or yeah. like a chocolate brown or something. Um, so I still come down to London and do that. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, do you think there's still any stigma attached to natural Afro hair? I mean, do, do casting directors, for example, which you probably know a lot more about than I do, do they ever get annoyed that they're having to work with something different or hairstylists not being trained in how to do, you know, styles? I think 
think there's still a lot of education that needs to happen in mm-hmm. terms inside the beauty industry in terms of you know all hairstylists being able to work on black hair and, and have the products in their kit as and well and have the products in their kit and you know and even you know even extends to the sort of grooming side of things and not not every barber is trained in in how to cut afro hair and do a good fade. It, yeah, and do a good fade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hear so much. My brothers they go to the wrong barber. There is all hell to pay. <laughs> what do you think is our convention of beauty? Like, what do you think from what you see in magazines, what you see uh, on Instagram, are those cornerstones of what is seen as beautiful? I think Instagram is more relatable compared to magazines. Mm. If I'm honest, because there are some influencers out there who puts out their natural self. But um, there's some, like me, <laughs> do a little bit of edit here and there. No people <laughs> can be shown, you know. But um, I don't know, really. Maybe the perception of being aspirational, I guess. Mm. But it can be quite not realistic if you're not careful with it. But that just depends on how you perceive things, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. What, what sort of skin tones or face shapes or feature shapes uh, or hair textures do you see uh, people kind of putting out as like the the ideal what people are Uh, striving towards I'd say like really like different coloured hair yeah is really popular yeah I'd say that but then it just depends I don't I don't know do you you see girls like like uh, retouching their photos to make the skin maybe lighter or to make their eyes look bigger or changing the shape of their eyes or any parts of their face Personally, I've not seen like no. changing your shape, face, or anything like that. But um, maybe when it comes to skin, mm-hmm. like having really good skin, yeah, is one of them. I'd say because then it makes me think like, oh, I need to have perfect skin. <laughs> when I see someone with perfect skin, I'm like, I need that. <laughs> it's funny though because it, it, I think in every country the conventions of beauty are completely different, right? Yeah. So w- like when I go back to Nigeria, which yes. my family are from. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, the poster girls or the girls who are uh, in Nollywood films or advertising products, they'll have very pale skin. Yeah. Same with the Philippines. Like skin, like yeah. Same with um, the Eastern world. They're very much so skinny, pale skin, tall. But it's different yeah. here because that's why I love being in the UK mm. is because they embrace diversity and they, um, they try to push that forward. But do we do it enough? We're getting there. Yeah. We're definitely getting there. It's definitely better than how it was before. Yeah. I'd say so. So you think Brit brands are more or less diverse than those from other countries? More. More. Oh, hands down. Um, do you think that the... I mean, you've said you do, but you've said that the, the high street needs to do more. Um, what What is good at the moment on the high street in terms of, you know, diversity and range? And this is both hair care as well as mm-hmm. as skincare and, and, and beauty makeup? So in terms of makeup, I would say that Revolution are doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. I think they their price points are brilliant and they, they're really accessible. I think Revolution do a really good job and I think their products are really good. And in terms of hair care, I think Pantene have actually, with um, their, one of their new ranges, is aimed at Afro and mixed hair. So... Yeah. That's a really good move. And there are loads of amazing brands actually at Superdrug, like Cantu, and like there's tons of yeah, really great ones Cantu that you now, can actually great. get now. Yeah. For, for me, moving down to London was a huge change because I grew up in Newcastle um, and went to university in Cambridge. Neither of those places have huge uh, African 
or Caribbean communities. And so Afro hair products were just non-existent. We'd have to go down to London to get them. And this whole new world opened up when I moved down. I could go to these shops or the market. But actually now that you are be able to buy, you know, Cantu, et cetera, in Superdrug, it means that you can be a regional black person. You can be a black person <laughs> from Newcastle in the north or anywhere. And you can still cater for your hair, which is hugely galvanizing because it shouldn't feel like a, a you know chore it should feel like this is something i want to be proud of i want to i want to love it i want it to be nice like everyone else's that's what we was basically speaking about how brands are try- how brands need to be pushing more on every single culture and every single um skin tone mm. that's i feel like yeah. they're doing a really good job there what difference would that have made to you growing up because when you were younger mm. if you're anything like me and we talked about this before it was a struggle finding anything to match your skin tone how would that have made you feel how would that have changed your makeup journey how would that have changed your life listen i told you before, i used to buy makeup from the market yeah market like next to the fishmonger <laughs> that's crazy this if this happened when i was in high school yeah. I would have been doing brows for days. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah. I would never have. You know the line. Yeah. What's it called? Oh, when it looks the, like you're wearing the, a mask. Yeah. It will yeah. yeah. save a lot of um, embarrassment and budget. Yeah. Yes. A lot of money. Budget. A yeah, lot of money. Embarrassment. It's the embarrassment of it not matching up, having that line. <laughs> Your face smells of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the countryside. <laughs> not ideal, but also, I think I would have felt a little bit more like I was. I belong. Um, yeah, I was allowed to be beautiful. I'm yeah. allowed to have makeup that suits my skin tone. I think there's a lot of um, anxiety around like uh, uh, the fact that it, it doesn't feel like you're a part of this. Mm. Did you ever feel that when you were younger? Yeah, definitely. Especially when it comes to like the foundation, you think you, you put it on and it's, it's either too ashy mm. and you have to spend a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and having it at an affordable price, what what does that mean? What What does that change for, for us as a society? Well, there are literally amazing 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds on Instagram who's doing beauty tutorials now. That's amazing. And that's yeah. probably because they can get it now. They're so It's so accessible now compared to how it was before. I would have never thought to do a makeup tutorial when I was 13 or 14. Because mm. first of all, <laughs> I couldn't afford it. <laughs> so, so now it's amazing. So you can just see how where the beauty industry is going and where brands are going, is that they're catering more to even ages now as well. And it yeah. speaks to more people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, on that, another brand that has been um, praised by Cosmopolitan, actually, for having more instructive, inclusive shade names. So we're moving away from the likes of Espresso and Mocha, which does feel like it kind of, sort of exoticizes <laughs> yeah. your skin, like you're very other, you know, you're very novel, um, is Brand B. So that's, that's in Superdrug as well. What impact do you think the names have and it sounds like it's not a big deal but actually it stays with you like when you're younger did, did anyone ever say like oh you got like for me I was got oh you're like cappuccino colored which at the time felt like it was it wasn't that bad but actually now I think about it yeah it makes you feel like you just I don't know yeah, it, it, like, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel very respectful no because I get like oh you're yellow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not yellow. I'm olive-toned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I, don't, I totally get what you're trying to say. Um, I just find... I can see why it can offend some people. So maybe they need to reword it a notch. Mm. <laughs> because if, cause if, you, if you don't know the beauty industry and if you're just starting off with makeup and then you see that shade range and, you're, and you look at it and you're like, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, seeing such a huge range of shades now on the high street, those brands like Revolution, is brilliant. But why do you think it's happened now? Why do you think it's happened just now? Why for so many years before was this not available? I just find there's a higher demand for it now. Mm. And I find that the beauty industry is continuously expanding as well. More and more people are so into it now. Like I said, the the age range is wider than how it was back in the day. And and we're just getting more and more multicultural. Like we're just there's more culture that's involved now. Yeah. And beauty the beauty industry is realizing that. So I find yeah. that for them to produce more shade ranges is catering to a whole lot of different men and women out there who is into beauty, who's into makeup, or who's even like an everyday girl who just wants a bit of foundation, you know? Yeah. And they're realizing that. So that's what's really good about it. And I find it's it, that's why I said before, it's definitely getting there. It's getting better. Yeah, it's getting better and better. It's, it's a big change since the 80s yeah. um, when, like, as you were describing, Iman apparently used to have to, the model used to have to mix her own foundation on shoots. Or use chocolate, um, hot chocolate powder. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy when I heard about it. Tell us a bit more about that. Um, I, heard, I just saw in an article that someone had to use hot chocolate powder to do their foundation. Yeah, uh, on shoots. shoots. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I actually, I think I heard, you know the comedian London Hughes? She was saying... Yeah, that yeah it was her. That was her. Think, yeah. She, yeah, she was on a shoot um, for a TV show. This is not even that long ago. And she had to, was asked to bring some chocolate... All the, the makeup artist to mix some yeah. chocolate powder in just to make it a bit darker for her skin tone. Yeah. Um, but, like, just what is tokenism for you? What is just box ticking? I think tokenism is having an ad campaign and only having one woman of colour in it or all the women being straight-sized or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. And I think it is just, like, popping that one person in there just to cover your back. Yeah, we've done, of, it. Yeah, we've <laughs> done it. We've done it. We've covered it. And I, I think that's... I, I, I think it looks old-fashioned now, actually, yeah. in a way. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. What, what could be done better so it doesn't feel tokenistic? So I actually think we should overcompensate, and I think all brands should do this, in that, you know, we spent decades shutting people of colour out, so now is the time where we've got to go overboard, actually. And, yeah. you know, why isn't it for women of colour and one white person? Why why is, isn't that okay and acceptable? I think that's where we should be heading yeah. towards or making, things, things, making sure things are at least equal. Yeah, like embracing every single culture, embracing every single feature that each person has and be more realistic because the yeah. beauty industry is all about accepting your flaws and accepting what you're born with and accepting who you are. It's not, and it's emphasizing your beauty that you already have. It's not completely changing what you look like. Although in the beauty industry, we celebrate that because you can tr literally transform into whatever you find beautiful not because someone told you that this is how to be beautiful yeah, you yeah, know that's important. it's about it's about your perception of beauty it's about your perception of how you should feel about yourself not trying to do it for anyone else and that's why I love being in the beauty industry because you can be so creative mm. and you can be so you can explore so many things and I find that brands really need to push that instead of saying, look, this is what it should be like. It should be more like this is how you could explore yeah. and yeah. emphasise what you already have, not changing 
what you have, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's self-expression and creativity exactly, as opposed yeah. to masking yeah. something. Yes, that's right. Because um, I guess, Corinne, when you're, you've got, you know, you've got your models that you're putting yeah. for jobs, um, you're in direct contact with these designers or with these companies. Yeah. Are you ever saying to them, you know what, you need to change your ways, you need to be held accountable for your actions and you need to have a more diverse, outward-facing um persona i think it was more of a like solution-based kind of move that i did because mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't the type of person i was going to complain right I, I was more about action and creating solutions because i didn't want to just be the bitter black girl that just moans and complains in what way are you creating solutions to that um by bridging a gap actually calling out for new models and stuff and actually creating an agency and saying yeah let's do something about it instead of complaining all the time which is which is yeah. good I, I think it's kind of good that people call it out so we can see the problem but mm-hmm. at the same time it's good to create solutions as well I think that it's really good actually that people are calling things out but again I guess where I come from is that I think you should educate people not just face I guess ignorance with anger yeah I just don't think it works like it just doesn't change anything sometimes it's so hard not it's to really just be angry hard. though isn't it it's so hard it's so hard I totally get it I don't, don't yeah I totally get it but I think if you can educate people and be like right this is why this is wrong yeah you're you're starting to shift things and yeah. that's what we want we don't want people to become angry we want people to shift how they think so that passes on to another generation um and and Shami what what do you think of you know, saying to companies that don't have enough skin tones yeah. in their foundation range, for example, just, you know, dropping them an Instagram comment and, and pointing that out. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's obviously gone to that point, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. But they are doing it. I just find they can do it better. So maybe if you really feel about some, if you really feel passionate about a topic, DM them. Yeah. <laughs> like, give them an email. Yeah. Yeah, there's like... I don't think dragging them down or trying to say something negative in a sly way or whatever is is gonna get their attention, but it's not gonna be like, oh wait, are we gonna do it off? <laughs> if you like say like, oh hey, um, I think you need to add an extra shade or two because yeah. this is how we feel as an audience or as a consumer, then maybe they'll be like, oh, okay, let's let's see what we can do. Okay, guys, let's take a little break there. But on the other side, we're going to be discussing the role of social media in supporting diversity and what a truly diverse beauty industry would look like. See you then. When it comes to inclusive beauty, revolution truly are revolutionary. Everyone, no matter their sex, ethnicity, age, budget or location, deserve to feel glamorous. So that's why Revolution offer the largest range of shades and tones on the high street. From high coverage concealers and foundation for every skin type to highly pigmented eyeshadow palettes, all cruelty-free and vegan-friendly. Browse the full range at your nearest Superdrug store or online at superdrug.com. Revolution, accessible beauty for every person. We're going to do a little thing now that's called Spill the Beauty. This is where we get to know you a little bit more uh, with some fun questions. And I'm going to come to you, Shami, first. Uh, (coughs) Your first question. Which beauty YouTuber would you love to do your makeup? Bretman Rock. Oh, that was fast. Why is that? Uh, He's so funny. And he's Filipino. (laughs) (laughs) He's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Represent. Yep. Uh, Name the one beauty product that, if it was discontinued, you would cry face powders oh my gosh do you have the same as me I get so shiny yep 
Yeah. Face powders, but moisturizing face powders. That's one of my my absolute so you're shiny but you're dry yes, combination it's like the best yeah. of both worlds <laughs> yeah. that's what I need so if that goes I'm, I'm like okay no more makeup honestly don't worry I think that will never go I think yeah. there's a lot of us in that boat <laughs> and finally what's your Instagram pet hate for example you know when people put those like hot dog legs on holiday oh sepia you remember those you remember the, the OG Instagram oh, yeah, filters yeah, yeah. where it's like it's blue it's like too blue but then it's like orangey it's trying to make it look like it's from like Valencia days. do you know that filter from Instagram hey I like Valencia. Valencia's my favourite. It's fine yeah. you say that. Thank God for vis- Visco Cam. <laughs> uh, all right, Kareen, uh, I'd like to spill the beauty. Who is your beauty idol and why? Um, Aaliyah J. Okay. Because um, she always does like makeup looks for like Nicki Minaj. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I think once someone told me I look like Nicki Minaj, and I was like, <laughs> I was so eager to look like her and do her makeup. So. <laughs> Honestly, it's changed the game. All yeah, these like, people are showing you exactly how, how to, to get do the makeup looks. <laughs> I would never have known before. Well, yeah, it, it's brilliant. It's like enlightening. Um, what is the best ever career tip that you've been given? Um, rejection is just a redirection. So once rejection doesn't phase you, you can just carry on reaching your goals and mm-hmm. just moving forward. Yeah. When one door closes, another one yeah. pretty much always opens. And often, I read somewhere, like, if you learn to fail fast, like, it's cool, yeah. it's okay to fail, but know that that's done and move on and it, you've learned from it, it's all experience. Yeah. Uh, and finally, what's the weirdest thing you ever got asked to do when you were a model? I think it's just, like, when I saw the picture and I saw how dark my face was for the rest of my body, because <laughs> my face was really dark, they put, like, down dark foundation on my skin mm-hmm. and I just, I just couldn't show anyone the pictures. It was just bad. What were they using it for? Um, it was like for um, a bridal shoot. So okay. it was like, yeah, I saw the picture, but I didn't see it in the magazine. And I think I probably know why. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Do they not have a mirror? Could they not see? Could they not like literally? Did they I not think, have? Eyes? I think they did see, but they just didn't have the product, so they just carried on. It's kept putting yeah. darker and darker. Yeah. Man, you don't need that anymore. Yeah. We've got like fifty shades of revolution. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, soundtrack to your life. What would it be? The soundtrack to my life is definitely something heavy metal related, which I think people find quite funny yeah. from my background in sort of beauty and fashion. Um, I <laughs> I would say Slayer, Angel no. of Death. <laughs> Cheery. This, this is a surprise to me. Seriously, you wouldn't expect that, but I like it. I'm here yeah. for it. Yeah, this is a bit of a headbang. I actually, um, <laughs> I've got a funny story that um, whenever... I missed out on a job or anything like that when I was younger and coming up through the ranks on magazines. I would literally play Slayer Angel of Death really, really loud and jump up and down on my bed to like get all the fury out because I quite often knew that it, I wasn't chosen because I didn't, you know, I didn't have the posh enough accent or yeah. I didn't look the part or whatever it was. So yeah, that's the best piece yeah. of advice we've given so yes. far. <laughs> just, just get it on, jump up and down, headbang. You'll feel so much better, honestly. Okay, best beauty tip you've ever been given. So this is quite a simple one, um, but I I see so many people doing this on the tube and the bus and whenever I'm on public transport that I feel like it's worth repeating. Um, always do your foundation after you've done your eye makeup because you literally can just clear up any mm-hmm. fall down of shadow. It's such a simple thing and it does take a bit of training yourself out of putting your foundation on first, but it's makes your life so much easier. Yeah, because you automatically think base. The base is yeah. the basis, it's the foundation. It's called the foundation, literally. You put the foundations up before you put the house up, but you're right. It just, your eye makeup just drops down onto yeah. it. Great. Do that, especially on the bus. But also, like, any time you do your makeup, yeah. bus or not. Uh, and finally, weirdest beauty habit. 
Um, I really love Maybelline Brow Tattoo, which is a gel that you put on your eyebrows, mm-hmm. which is semi-permanent, so it sort of dyes them a little bit. And I do that every couple of days because my brows are thick, but they're quite sparse. Okay. Um, but when you put it on, it's really dark and shiny, so you look like Angry Bird. <laughs> and I will quite often post a picture on Instagram because it's so funny. But, um, yeah, it's, qu- it's quite terrifying to anyone who sees that. I love it. I mean, you don't look like an angry bird. For anyone who's listening, Google, Anita, you have a look at a picture. It does not look like an angry bird, but unless you were angry. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, but you would put it on at night? Um, I do actually use it at night. You right. don't have to, but I think it lasts longer if you put it on at night. So the angry bird is at night and then come the next morning, she's just a beautiful bird. Yeah, hope that's the hope. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome back to The Beauty of It All, where we're asking the question, why does beauty still struggle with diversity? And Charmy, being an influencer, do you think that the digital and wider world of, you know, all of social media really has helped diversify the beauty industry? I think so. I think social media plays a huge part in bringing girls together because it helps us support each other, men and women who are into beauty, who are into makeup. And social media plays a huge part of bringing that community together. And it shows and it inspires. We all get inspired from each other. We all get inspired from each other's looks, from each other's um, work. And I just find, I just think it's amazing because people can even get inspired with different, I don't know, like the beauty of different cultures as well. For example, um, I find a lot of, Although influence has been inspired with Korean beauty, like I'm personally inspired by Korean beauty and I can only see that through social media because I can't obviously go to, I can't nip to Korea and be yeah. like, oh, what's going on now? But you get to see what's going on in different kind of um, world. You get to see what's going on in different kind of, like different kind of brands all across the world in yeah. America and, you know, in Asia and the UK and we can share what's going on as well like for example UK influencers we can share what's going on or like hey have you ever seen those videos where it's like western world versus eastern world makeup videos I find it so amazing how we're starting to embrace that and we can support each other on that I find it amazing well you have social media as well of course and you're obviously writing articles but how do you use your social media and your following to talk about diversity and what message would you like your followers to take away from your posts so I think what you can get from my social media feed is a different point of view. So whether that is talking about cultural appropriation in yoga or the colorism issue in the in the recent Miss India pageant, I think there's a lot of different cultural talking points. There's also a lot of self-care and wellness, which I think is a big issue within women of color as well in, in that we don't often have the, the resources or, you know, we don't often have the time necessarily to partake in those things and they're not sold to us as well I think there's also like a cultural mentality I know that the way I was brought up my mum didn't really I don't know she's just like you just got to work really hard you've got to do more than everyone else (laughs) I know that very well yeah you'll know (laughs) I know that very well that's that's a I think a lot of women of colour have that or people of colour have that you know you have to be better than everyone else to to get get by we did not relax (laughs) yeah zero time for meditation and um, I think those things are really interesting and there's a lot of nuanced things within that that Mm -hmm. I explore on my feed but you also get a lot of um hopefully inspirational quotes and things like that um, which I need a pep talk sometimes myself because you know there's a lot of different (laughs) things going on there so um I do talk about all those different facets yeah and um yeah hopefully it's an inspiring place to be Charmy because of your following which is huge you know on Instagram on YouTube 
Do you feel a responsibility? Do you feel a pressure? Do you feel like a role model for other Asian girls? I think not just to Asian girls, but to all girls or even uh, men. Mm. I find that when you have an influence, when you have a following in speech marks, <laughs> um, I find as long as you embrace yourself, you can then teach other people to embrace themselves. Yeah. So it's not more so be like me. It's not, it's not like that at all. It's more so, listen, you can be you, like do you. And um, yeah. that's what I want my platform to be all about. I want my platform to let people know that they can do what they, f- like they can be who they want to be and they can, you know, and they can understand that they don't have to be like anyone else or they don't have to compare themselves to anyone else. So in all honesty, that's what I want my platform to kind of just represent is to just, you can work, you know, like work hard for it, but you don't have to be someone you're not to get there. So embrace who you are. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I'm all about that. So rather than saying, look, all the young girls who look like me, look how cool it is to look this way, it's fine. It's more saying, I look this way and you look that way and look how happy I can be in myself. Exactly. And so should you. Exactly. So how do you go about doing that? How do you go about inspiring them and and motivating them and galvanising them? I just always say to never compare yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say because everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own features and everyone has their own way of doing things. So I always say that it's better to be the best version of yourself rather than being another version of someone else. And I honestly, I always want to root for that because it's so hard because you could find someone beautiful and then you'd be like, oh, I want to be like her. I want to be like her. But at the end of the day, you will never be like her because you're not her, you know? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's all about how we're all different. And that's exactly. actually what diverse means. It just means, quite simply, different. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that that is a good thing. Yeah, it's a brilliant thing. We should celebrate it. I think sometimes the word diversity gets a really bad rep because people just think it means black and white and actually Mm. it's anything but black and white. It's Mm -hmm, glorious technicolour. It's multicoloured. It's all the shades of grey in the middle and and appreciating that those stories all matter as much as each other. It's not linear. It's not about ticking boxes. Yeah. Um, What would a truly diverse beauty industry look like for each of you? I'll come to you first, Karine. Um, more differences so I'll see you'll see a dark skin tone um, full lips um, afros weaves it doesn't matter like it'll be more of a unity kind of thing and I thought there'll be less competition with other people yeah so there'll be no like divide or anything so it's not about competing with one another it's about celebrating one another and uh, what about you Shami? I agree but um, yeah like I said earlier it's about understanding that everyone has different features, mm-hmm. heights, builds and celebrating that rather than trying to put us trying to put a standard into a box. Yeah. Rather than doing that, break that box and yeah. celebrate everyone's features. Like what Kareen said. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put us in boxes. No. <laughs> <laughs> and just finally, Anita, what would a truly diverse beauty industry look like to you? I think a really diverse beauty industry would have more people of colour and women of colour in particular heading up beauty brands, being very senior at beauty brands. There being more woke beauty editors across the globe. Um, A more diverse casting of influencers, I think, is a big thing as well, particularly in beauty. I think that there's a very sort of, even within the influencer um, sector, there's a very small 
group of what is okay and what isn't okay. Yeah. And um, I think all brands need to pull up their socks and really cater to women of colour. Oh, well, thank you so much, guys. I think it's been a really, really great chat (laughs) and it's been really great to get to know you a little bit. Genuinely enjoyed it so much. And thank you also for listening and for more from the Beauty of It All podcast. Same time, same place next week. I'll see you then.